0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Bible Belt Bros Podcast. Today's a fun day. We have on the show today, we have Meg and Miranda. They are from the Listening Chair Podcast. So you can find them uh, anywhere, really. Facebook, MySpace, the Twitters. They're really active on Instagram. And you can find them with Apple, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search the Listening Chair podcast. Their website is also in the description, and uh, I just ask you guys to be nice and uh, maybe to go jump on their podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen your podcast, and just give them a nice little five star review. Even if you don't like them, just be nice, give them a review, help them keep going, and uh, just we want to support each other. Is that's what we're all about here uh, as Christians, loving each other, networking, and all that stuff. So, well, I'll just say this: Welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. It's not very often that we actually have have girls on the podcast, and uh, <laughs> I want to start off. I want to start off with the disclaimer. Oh no! So if if any of your listeners are here, welcome. For one, maybe don't listen to any of the other episodes because you know Andrew and I have very very philosophical debates that might not have any scriptural backing (laughs) and uh of deciding whether or not satan's male or female (laughs) uh just other topics that might come up so um so yeah please don't take us seriously if you listen we we've gotten some negative reviews and it's it's been uh mostly the ladies not getting our sense of humor so please don't review our podcast
1: That is so funny. I was actually scrolling through your episodes and listening to a few of them, and I liked how the numbers skyrocketed of downloads when it got to the episode about marijuana.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It was like uh, guns and marijuana. Guns and that marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> that's an Oklahoma topic that everybody's going to talk about for a while. So. so we're just capitalizing on it. Yes. <laughs> why not? So, why not? <laughs> why not? And so welcome to the podcast. You guys have a podcast called The Listening Chair, right? Right. That is true. So what's that? What is that podcast about?
2: So we are, like you mentioned, two, two females, <laughs> two of the, the gentler sex, <laughs> if you will. And so uh, Megan and I have people of all different backgrounds uh, come virtually to us and talk about their careers and their vocations and how they hear God in their daily lives and how mm-hmm. all of that connects. So our most popular episode, we mm-hmm. interviewed a mortician and she talked to us about how she hears God and how he made her in such a way that she mm-hmm. entered the the career of preparing bodies for burial—very mm-hmm. fascinating. Very stuff. fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we we like to explore any divine breadcrumbs along the way. So, what happened? What breadcrumbs did you see in your childhood or teenage years that helped you decide? I think God's calling me into this profession, or I think my calling really is is this side hustle and whatnot. So, we have second career folks, we have third career folks, we have twenty one year olds that are exploring um, maybe doing a different type of work than they got a major in, and always asking those questions of um, what Miranda talked about. And our goal is that people find courage, comfort, and clarity in their vocational choices for an elevator pitch for your listeners there.
0: I've listened to a couple. You had a songwriter on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went all the way back to episode one, which is just fun for – for people who are new to podcast, because that's usually the worst one. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, I like to to bounce back to those, and that was that was also like the about me stuff. Because you guys do a lot of interviews, I've noticed. You've always
1: yes, that's right. Yeah, a lot of podcasts. Totally,
0: we have guests here too, you know. But for the most part, it's just Andrew and I rambling. It's the only time we actually, who are best friends mm-hmm. since high school, ever hang out anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just kind of. But we do, which I think is you said on your first episode is where you guys get to hang out. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. We have our dogs are best friends, Mm -hmm. so we we both dog sit for each other, and our um, so our dogs are besties. So that's a good time too.
0: So we're here today. We're talking about vocational discernment, and I know that that's kind of one of the main topics uh, you guys pursue in your podcast. Mm -hmm. And so, tell me a little bit about. Vocational discernment. Uh, maybe go into what brought you to your vocation, and uh, we'll just go from there.
2: Hmm. I don't know which one of the which which one of those questions we should answer first. Yeah, it's it's funny because we actually haven't talked about how we got into our
0: current <laughs>
1: vocations. That's <laughs> so true. We haven't. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that yet.
0: How the tables have turned.
1: How the tables have turned. Yes. Well, we were both similar to you and Andrew in that we were both raised in the church from what I picked up on, and um, so that's part of, part of both of our stories. Mm-hmm. We're both native Texans. Which we love to talk about. Yeah, all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I saw on your post you're like, you like you thought there'd be some jokes, but actually Andrew and I are barely Oklahomans, <laughs> and so huh. I grew up in Iowa. He grew up in Missouri. And that's where we met. And then we both moved to Oklahoma. So oh, no worries. No worries. There's no. Okay. Yeah, I don't have to worry about Because there's some really great Oklahoma jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is. And they're probably all true. Yes, yes,
2: yes, yes. <laughs> you want to tell, talk about your yeah. journey? I went to school in a little little liberal arts school called McMurray University. It's in Abilene, Texas, and I studied theater. So I have a theater degree, which I have used probably about uh, three months since since I graduated <laughs> with that degree. Then I uh, happened to move to Winfield, Kansas, and I met my current boss, and he was like, well, I can try to help you find s- some work in the area. And I was like, great, I have a theater degree, and here's my resume. And he looked at my resume, and he's like, this is a terrible resume. (laughs) (laughs) So, then got a call from him a couple weeks later, and he was like, "Uh, why don't you come to my office? I came back to his office, and he's like, well, I had a dream, and God told me that I should hire you. So, how would you like to start today? (laughs) So... (laughs) So I started working as an administrative assistant part-time and then I got a another part-time job at the local family video. <laughs> um, it was it was awesome. I got to rent movies to people and I uh, also turned out to be an OK salesperson because I got recognized for candy sales. <laughs> I was the top candy salesman in the region that's one a, quarter. Holy moly! Yeah, that's insane. I know, I know. my resume is a, a lot, lot better now, and <laughs> I um, have I've felt a lot of discomfort being in my career now because because I do have this theater degree and I don't have any formal. Re- Religious training. I took the minimum religion requirements uh, to get my degree, and then here I am working for the Richard and Julia Wilkie Institute for Discipleship, which is a whole bunch of scary words that like easily go over most <laughs> people's heads, mostly mine, uh, because I'm still questioning every day what is discipleship for me. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I now have the title of director of business operations and I am working on an MBA because I feel like what I loved about theater is that I loved working with other people and I loved working in a place where everyone was united towards a, a similar goal but everybody had different pieces of the puzzle to bring to the table. So now in my work that is still true where um the people i work with are all working towards a similar goal but everybody has different skill sets and everybody has different parts of the work that they do and i get to do my part and help make things happen so so i still feel like i'm i'm growing and learning and my discernment towards my vocation has been um a lot of a lot of god doing the heavy lifting and me <laughs> being willing to say yes to the nudges along the way How about you, Meg? Hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um,
1: How to not bore Dusty's listeners. (laughs) How do I keep this short?
0: As a youth pastor, my training would say, play a YouTube video. Yes. uh, Do some bumper music in between sermon (laughs) points.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yes, yes. I was like Miranda. I had a theater background from age six to whatever. And when I was 13... Our youth pastor asked us to help do Youth Sunday, and as you know, the youth do everything on that Sunday, at least in our faith tradition, and no one was raising their hand to offer the message, and I remembered that I had loved singing in gospel choir when I was a kid, and I had loved, loved being on stage in theater, so I thought, I could preach, (laughs) So it was uh, very exegetically weak, but I preached over Proverbs seventeen twenty two, 22, uh, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And I talked about how there's power when the more that we take time to notice all the good in our life, the more we realize that we have so much to be thankful for. It was very, like I said, it was <laughs> very exegetically weak. And um, I ended the sermon with singing the song by Bing Crosby in White Christmas, which is when I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. Yeah, it was it was, it was so bad.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but my yeah. wife loves that movie. Oh, so it's so good. It's a, it's a Christmas tradition yeah. for sure.
1: It's so great.
0: So I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah,
1: that song in there that's so theologically rich and it seems to come out of nowhere in that movie. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I ended the sermon with that, and then mentors and my youth director um, and my pastor started really encouraging me that I might have a vocational calling in um, ministerial leadership. And so by the age of 16, I was on the track for ordination and exploring an exploratory candidate, I think is what they call that, in the United Methodist Church, and I was visiting seminaries. I visited six of the 13 United Methodist seminaries. By the time I was (laughs) twenty, and I was so gung ho about it, like so gung ho to become a senior pastor. Um, But the more that I studied in in undergrad um, with a religion and philosophy degree, I started noticing that my friends who were actually called to be senior pastors that they were giddy when they would talk about sacraments, and they were giddy when they talk about running the bureaucratic machine known as the United Methodist Church, and Those things did not make me giddy. (laughs) I had no desire to marry and bury. I didn't care who did the sacraments. What I really loved was the words part. And what I really loved was the the pastoral care moments of that. And so while I was a college student, I got to be a chaplain at a summer camp, a Methodist camp. And there it was, God began to speak really clearly um, to me that it really wasn't being a senior pastor that I was after. And that it, what was motivating me in that decision was really my pride, that it was, it was sexy, it was egotistical, Of it would, it would be attractive of me to tell people I am the senior pastor, but it really wasn't bringing me joy, like it was my other friends who were actually called to that. So yeah, lots of decisions later, I got out of, um, and lots of hard decisions later. And lots of letting down of some mentors, uh, I pulled out of the ordination track for senior pastor and changed my degree in seminary to a master's of art in children and family ministry. And um, and even there, I realized, as I would speak to other children's pastors, that, oh, what brings you joy is different than what brings me joy. And in that, and I, I served in for a decade as a, as a children's minister or in the Methodist church we don't call you pastor unless you're ordained so in other circles i was a children's pastor but in the Methodist church it was like no you're not ordained you are not clergy um so <laughs> you might have the same degree but we will not call you pastor um but while i was um s- serving in that way i it was still always the 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 word piece creating lesson plans and asking powerful questions to fifth graders and writing encouraging pep talks to volunteer teams. And so, uh and then on the side, like a like a magnet I was drawn to. I worked at Weight Watchers where I would weekly speak and motivate people to live their healthiest life and then I taught at a branch for the Kansas Leadership Center which again was standing in front of people and speaking and teaching and using words to motivate and inspire. So, this last January, um, I switched jobs. I left the local church and I'm no longer a children's minister. And um, I think my life mission statement, which has always been that way, and I talk about this in the book, that people have overarching life mission statements, if you will. We just take on different gigs as we evolve and as our gifts become more polished. And so, but I think the overarching mission statement for, for me would be to, to motivate and encourage others through words written and spoken and that was a long answer and i apologize. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're good. And so you you've you guys have spoken to to plenty of people about vocational discernment and what that means to them. What, how has talking to different people about their journey has that kind of changed your mindset or your eyes on uh on what that means? I think one of the
2: people that spoke best to it was our episode with Joel Wilkie, he talked about how um, whenever he was in the job interview for his current job, that he told the people interviewing him that he trusted them to make the right decision on whether or not he was the right fit. Instead of like trying to sell himself so hard, like, Mm -hmm. I am this person, I can do this with all of my gifts and abilities, like... I think it's powerful to know that you can trust other people to make these decisions for you sometimes Um, because we love control (laughs) or we love the like image or smoke and mirrors of seeming like we have control and really in life we don't Mm -hmm. Um, or I don't believe that we have very much control in our lives so like whenever we let go of this idea that we have to live a certain way or have the like the certain career with the certain business card written with the right words on it. Letting go of that will really help us hear God better and hear what God wants our lives to truly be written with. Saying, Miranda, mm-hmm.
0: you—I uh, forgot to bring this up. You and I have something else in common, because I worked, when I was an a intern for a church, I worked at Pop and Go Video. Oh, snap. And uh, so I know all about the video sales. <laughs> I didn't sell the most candy, but I did consume the most candy.
2: Ah, oh, respect. That's an award somewhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Sorry. That was part of my journey yeah. <laughs> no. uh, so okay so you you've, you've seen people that that they're trying to make the, the right decision and then you've seen people that are just like I'm just going with the flow I'm kind of more of a go with the flow type of person so I can kind of relate to that a little bit I'm just tired of impressing people at some point right? <laughs> in my life if you like me you like me if you don't you don't <laughs> just move on I think there's power in
1: that, especially if you're a youth minister with some high maintenance helicopter parents. I think there's power in not trying to impress them, just being doing the best you can, protecting their kids, making it theologically sound.
0: There's power in it, but with everything, you could also have too much of it. So you know, there's that's that's kinda the balance, is just you know, knowing your calling and pursuing it, but also being okay with the fact that some other people might not be in that same connection mm, of mm-hmm. uh, with God or and knowing that you might not get what you thought was your call, you know, your dream job or whatever. So right. Pre- that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a good uh a good friend that once told me that God's everywhere, so go where the money is. And <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't know if that's biblically sound or not, but it sounds great. It you does. know?
2: It sounds great. <laughs> Where is the money? Where is the money?
1: Yes, yes, yes,
2: yes.
0: yes. Uh, that's a different podcast, right? Where's the money? Where's the money. I, I, I feel like that senior pastor calling uh, right. Meg might have been. I
1: know. Oh, <laughs> in my family's opinion, totally. They don't understand me at all. That I'm. I turned thirty three this month, and I don't make anything compared to the rest of my family, and they don't. They don't get it. They have never gotten yeah. it that I am that I'm not at all motivated by money. And it's um, when you when you start doing side hustles and being entrepreneurial with other projects and you have to price your own stuff, it's so hard mm-hmm. when that doesn't drive you. And um, so, yeah, I'm a life coach friend of mine who is not my life coach, but is a friend and is a life coach. He is um, asking me some tough questions now about how I value myself and trying to get all deep about it. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't motivate me. Like, I know that God is going to provide every step of the way, yeah. so... Let me just make a difference if at all possible. But
0: yeah. Sometimes you can use that as an excuse because you don't, you don't value, uh, I'm not saying this about you, but you don't value yourself. So you don't value the product you're saying oh. and then you use an excuse that I'm just letting God control it. No. yeah. So it's a very dangerous thing. You can. Yeah. Yeah. I smell what you're saying. I say that from experience. So right. I'm not right. accusing. So.
1: No, it's good. That's good. Good thought. Well, if I can be a guest that asks questions, um, can I, can I, or may I ask, what are the similarities between the type of work you were doing four years ago when you started the podcast and the type of work that you do now?
0: I'm asking the questions here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine with that.
0: No, 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 I'm good. Uh, so the type of work is pretty much the same. Uh, cool. When I, we started the podcast, uh, I was part of a church plant that uh, was more focused on the house church model. Yeah, then it moved as, to a school. And then we moved to a school and and the idea was to not have a building and that w- more of our finances and more of our, you know, focus can be on the community and how what we had an opportunity to merge with another church that had a, you know, a space. And so some of that in my opinion deviated, but we still are really focused on the community. Like today my wife and I went and helped we had a big flood here in Tulsa and so um, part of the, the call of everybody in our church is to serve with Samaritans Purse who is using our parking lot and our facilities to t- for their volunteer system. And so we had to do you know, we felt we needed to do our part, you know, as much as we can and uh, and so we're still very heavily focused on that and that house church is is the idea of The relationships, because you can get mad at whatever church you go to, right? Whatever church you go to is not going to spend the money the way you think it should be spent. It's not going to do the correct teaching the way you think it should be taught or sing the songs in the style that you think that they should sing them in. (laughs) But, But what keeps people together at churches longer or lets them get past those issues is the relationships that we've built in that church. And so... And so house church is just a model where um, ideally our pastor isn't going to go and be able to help everybody with every need that they have. But they have a group of everybody has a group of people that can support them and surround them and then get outside help as well. And so that's kind of the thought process is in Acts. They talked about the church didn't have that. They made sure that everybody didn't have a need in the church. And so and then that. Overflowed into the people outside of the church, and so that's kind of our goal is to, to build those relationships, to to do life together with people, and uh, to, I guess, be able to to minister to each other, and in that showing that love to each other, because <laughs> a lot of people will look at the church today to, in, with quotes and see how much we hate each other, or how much we differ on pretty much any topic. You know, <laughs> you can find. Two Christians that differ about it, and so th- that's that's what people tend to, to look to, but they don't see that the fact that uh, the churches, no matter the differences, will still love each other and help each other and support each other, and that's what the house church model means to me. By golly! <laughs> and uh, as far as vocation wise, I had uh, started a business uh, doing making T-shirts, uh, graphic design stuff like that. Uh, and now I am, I had just left recently in for the last, you know, I guess three months now and started doing more website, uh, SEO stuff. So,
1: okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so it gives me a little bit more freedom, flexibility. My wife has, she works, she's an accounting, uh, she works for an oil and gas company. So she has to travel a lot. So this is going to allow us to travel together and yeah, that's what I do now.
2: <laughs> hey, so I, I I think that a piece that sometimes people forget about in their calling is their responsibilities, um, and their relationships. So like I think it's really great that you are valuing your relationship with your your wife in such a way that you're making it a priority to be able to be together and things like that.
0: But, but I'm not going to say it's not also fun, well, you know. <laughs> like, right, right. It wasn't a hundred percent sacrifice. So I mean, I'll give you that much credit here. All right. <laughs>
2: All right. Minus twenty points. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Let's 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 bring it back down to reality.
2: Yeah.
1: the The more you talk about house churches and home, it makes me think that you really should connect with the uh, the my niche mate friend, the author that I shared that yeah. book with you, Keith Giles, has a great ministry about with home churches and um, yeah, I think you would love his stuff. And,
0: and that's really how this podcast started. Mm. I don't know if you made it all the way down to episode one. I did. I did. (laughs) Dusty, dusty raining for 45 minutes. (laughs) That was just us kind of just frustrated with, you know, the American model uh, and not really knowing how to vent it without, you know, coming across as hateful and arrogant and, Mm-hmm. All the other bad words you can say with it, but instead of going, we're just trying to figure this thing out because I just don't feel like it's right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's so. interesting that you, being Southern Baptist, you're on you're on a different part of the spectrum than we United Methodists are. Yet, oh yeah,
0: you guys are crazy. Oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> we?
1: We, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it's interesting that while our, our doctrinal statements differ. Or would it be our dogmatic statements? I always confuse the two. But while our beliefs in general differ, that people are feeling similar things about what they're experiencing in the church right now, regardless if they are very conservative in their Christian thought or progressive in their Christian thought, I think that's interesting that we're we're noticing and asking questions like you and Fish did on your first few episodes. Is this really what Jesus had in mind for us? And
0: yeah. Yeah. in in the things that we that we differ on tend to not even matter, (laughs) you know, like it's, it kind of comes off, I think as a pride thing of how all these different denominations start is, Mm -hmm. no, I'm right about this. So I'm going to start my, you know, it's just, yes, I don't, I feel like there's just so much division where we live. We have a good ministerial alliance of different churches and different denominations that we tend to work together with a lot of things high five you're high five me uh, <laughs> now in the so so that's good we get to see like when a flood happens in our community we have different denominations of pastors not all of them but some that have worked together in the past and are always together in those situations and i think that's what matters the most
1: mm-hmm. oh totally 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 yeah, that's been one of the beautiful things about the Listening Chair podcast is that, just the, as Miranda hinted, hint, uh, shared on earlier, the diversity of theological thought that we have represented. And that while they may think differently about certain issues, they are it's obvious they're still doing their best to be in line with what the Holy Spirit is up to, and they're both making a positive healing difference in the world in the name of in the name of Christ, although they might disagree greatly on gun rights or whatever. Um, and that's I yeah. I love that the listening chair is that or place. who
0: should be called a pastor and who should. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> I was called a pastor and I don't have a degree. Like, so uh, I was literally I an intern. <laughs> so, I
1: mean, I'm just kidding. What was yeah. that? What was that last part you said?
0: I was literally an intern, but I was still considered, you know, a pastor over <laughs> People, so.
1: yeah, and I know God did great things through you <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't um, it doesn't bug me anymore like it used to,
0: right, but it's just those silly differences, silly
1: differences, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: totally, totally, and I also um I also think that's when it comes to vocational discernment, I think that's also. Something to keep in mind, at least it has been for my life and other teammates I've served with, is that this might be stating the obvious and low ciento. if it is. But if ever I found myself being uber, 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 super duper, ultra defensive – I would have to take a, take a step back and check myself. And more often than not, it was I was serving in a way that I was not wired to serve in. It wasn't honoring my gifts. It wasn't honoring my calling. Yet I was just trying to do the work. And um, I was uber defensive because it was as if In my innermost being or my innermost psyche or whatever, my my soul, whatever word you want to use, was trying to get the message across to me like, you weren't made to do this work. Like, it doesn't matter how hard you work at it. You will still not deliver as well as you could if you were doing the work you were made to do. And you will have more joy and you'll be less stressed and less defensive and you won't have to work as hard. And so I find that with people still, as one who enjoys psychoanalyzing others, that usually when people are uber, uber defensive about their work, they're most often doing a work that they weren't wired to do and the the call is not sustaining them. The call is not giving them that confidence they need that it's like, you know what? I don't need compliments or affirmation. I love this work. I was made to do it. So thanks, but no thanks for your critique. <laughs> Sorry, soapbox over.
0: <laughs> the first 10 podcasts that we did was basically a 45-minute soapbox. If you <laughs> notice, we went from an hour and a half to 30 minutes typically just because – I mean, come on, Dusty, shut up. Like you can get it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> One of the other things when it comes to, to vocation discernment, I want to talk about is the thought that if God is calling you to ministry per se, that that means it's working full time at a church.
2: Mm.
0: It, to you guys, I mean, in your experience, I guess. Because you guys both kind of work, you work work for—is it a ministry or is it a school? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a method, Methodist affiliated college, and we are an extension college. of that okay. college. Yeah,
0: and so that's close, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> close enough. And so, so being called into ministry, what you know, or God's calling in your life, how can that look? I guess to you guys, how does that look?
2: My initial reaction is that. Everyone that believes in Jesus should be working in an attitude of love. Mm -hmm. So, um, peace, peace, bros. Um, (laughs) So so I think that if you are pursuing Jesus full time, then you are doing full time ministry. um, Because the act of loving other people is hard, hard work. There's so many difficult people out there that they they take a lot of love sometimes. So um, whether you are an engineer staring at a computer all day, you pave roads, you clean trash, you're a stay-at-home parent, like any of those kind of things, all of those could be full-time ministry, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And all of those take love. Um,
0: my pastor has said that he believes that he could do more ministry not as a pastor than he can as a pastor because for eight hours a day or so we're with the people of that are actually in the world whereas a pastor you tend to oh yeah, eight hours a day study and focus on the sermon or you're going to do some ministry projects but usually for people in the church and, mm-hmm. and as far as evangelism and outreach right like yeah, really only get Sunday morning for the most part. Mm-hmm. So um, so he always just said, You know, you guys are actually the ministers. Uh, you guys with normal jobs. Right. <laughs> you have a bigger calling, you know? Yeah. He's just supposed to equip us. Mm-hmm. His idea is to equip us to be able to, to answer those questions that people have or at least lead them to where they need to be. It's a good pastor.
2: Think,
1: yeah, great pastor.
0: Yeah. He's a pretty good guy. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say that. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he hasn't claimed his $100 yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, he hasn't claimed the $100 yet. No. Nope. <laughs> that, nope.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> in,
1: in our denomination, there is some good happening. But the good is the, uh, the Fresh Expressions Movement, which actually started in the church in the U.K. And it's basically this idea that in the future um, – most pastors will be bivocational so they can have that experience that your pastor was kind of speaking to. And that most it's this idea that in the next 20 years, church services, worship services will happen at a yoga studio after yoga or at a coffee shop after drinks or pub, the whole pub theology movements, part of that. And, but it's called the fresh expressions movement. And it's basically, I haven't read Frank Fiola's book, pagan Christianity, but you were the second person to hint at it. Not, you, you didn't hint at it, but in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh, another person I don't know talking about this book. I really should check this book out. But um, the Fresh Expressions movement sounds very similar to this whole organic church movement that – how old is Frank Viola's book, The Pegging? It's pretty old. Okay.
0: Uh, when when we had acquired to see if he wanted to be uh, on the show, yeah, he uh, – ba- basically the response was, I have written plenty of other books since then. <laughs> you
1: know? like, That's funny. So,
0: Okay, whatever. Cool 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 cool. But the book was good. It just talked about the secular transition, basically, of um but it didn't talk about there was another book that I was wanting to read that or I think he had a follow up book or something that was right more about like the biblical, you know, definitions of what was and so he just talked about how how the world changed and the church changed with it. And mm-hmm. His main point was, you know, Jesus came and abolished everything. You know, we're the priests. You know, we don't need a priest to speak to him. And then slowly we've added them back in the forms of pastors and mm-hmm. church buildings and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. It's yeah. Just like the Israelites, you know, we're just dumb sheep and think, <laughs> think we know better.
1: Take us back to Egypt.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting.
0: Because really living the Christianity the way that it says in the Bible is a lot lot harder. It's way easier just to show up on Sunday and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. get a challenge for the week, fail at it, show up again next Sunday with a new (laughs) challenge.
2: Uh, That's that's way
0: easier for me to manage. Yes.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: All right. So your podcast is called The Listening Chair. What kind of episodes do you guys got in your pocket? So we just, we
2: just wrapped up season, season one, so episode one through 30. You can check those out. Uh, in July, we're going to Youth 2019, where there's going to be 3,000 high schoolers in Kansas City. And we're going to ask them about their faith. And mm-hmm. uh, keep listening to the voices of youth, because they will be uh, running our nursing homes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, what they believe in is gonna determine which ones we should go to, uh, but, but uh in all seriousness the the youth voices are often left out of discussions about faith, so uh putting them in the listening chair and seeing how they hear God is always always powerful to Meg and I uh so that's gonna be happening, and then um we've gotten our slate started to fill up for. Our second season, we have an accountant. We have an accountant, a lawyer, a, lo- a model, some missionaries. We have some
1: educators, mm-hmm. some musicians. We're trying to get a cop. We really want a cop this season, and he's yeah. being very quiet. So, if you know of any police officers that are also that also value having a healthy spiritual life, that are Christian,
2: send them our way. Yeah.
1: send them our way or her our way. We want to talk to a law enforcement person. Okay. And this person we're recruiting is being quiet, and I don't know why, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely trying on season two. We realized that on accident we had lots of white dudes on episode one on season one, which we love them um <laughs> of course, but we feel like we're only telling part of the story, <laughs> so we're like we want more we we had we had women, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a we didn't have people we didn't have um we just want to tell the whole story when it comes to racial diversity and Diversity yeah. of gender, gotcha. so we are, and in, we intentionally looked out for people to get help us tell the whole story of what does it look like to follow God, to follow Christ in my career, regardless of what my career is. And
0: yeah, right. yeah. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And next time, I'll have Andrew here, and we can you guys can ask us more questions. Yeah.
2: Perfect. We're going to put you
0: instead of me share. asking. Questions. Yes. Yeah. I'll
1: exactly. I'll email you to find a date. Yeah.
2: And we're going figu- to figure out if you had any creepy people rent awkward videos from you in your past. <laughs> uh,
0: way too creepy. I've also worked for DirecTV at one point and had to take pay per view calls overnights. So, yeah, I got a lot of stories.
1: <laughs> wow. I bet that's our first question for the interview now.
0: Um, now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. So, all right, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank I you. appreciate it. Bye. Yeah. We'll see you. <laughs>